Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every week as he talks with the greats of the game. You are the smartest guy I've spoken to on radio or television in my career. And Chris, again, you are, you're knocking out of the park. You're like eight under par in this interview. By having any research, I'm hiring your tail to be the research, man. You're the best. You're a fantastic host and tremendously respected in the golf community. Yeah, Chris, you do an amazing job and your listeners are super lucky to have you and it's always my pleasure. Chris Scarrow is the king of the golf podcast. Don't miss him on Tuesdays. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and not only am I excited about tonight's show, where I get to share with you two of the top instructors in the game, plus a PGA Professional Hall of Famer and a VP from one of our partners, but two exciting things have happened to me in the show over the last week or so. First, my tickets to the Augusta National Women's Amateur Tournament arrived today. I was at the tournament last year following Next on the T alumni and one of the top young female players in the game, Avery Zweig. And I'm looking forward to watching the rising stars that we're soon going to see on the Epson Tour and the LPGA Tour again this year. The other exciting thing is the show was a finalist for the second year in a row for Best Golf Podcast at the Sports Podcast Awards. My guests have got the show this far, and now I need your help to get the show over the top. I'd really appreciate your support by going online to sportspodcastgroup.com and then click on the awards tab and then on the word vote. You'll see all the categories come up there, including best golf podcast. I know there's a lot of steps involved to get to that point and to vote. And they do that just to try to keep the bots from being set up to vote over and over for particular shows. So they're really trying to make sure everything is on the up and up this year. I would appreciate you going online and placing that vote. Your support means a great deal to me. Okay, on to tonight's show. And what a great lineup I get to share with you. We're going to kick things off with our resident director of instruction. The great Tom Patry is back this week. He'll be followed by PGA Professional Hall of Famer Bob Ford. Following Bob will be PGA Master Professional John Hughes. And then we're going to round things out with two under and Sconey Shoe founder Jack Curry. Hard to beat that lineup, folks. It's going to be a really fun 90 minutes. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. I want to start things off by reminding you about the Macklemore. It's a private resort located just south of Chattanooga, high atop Lookout Mountain, Georgia. It's a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the United States by Golf Digest. The 18th hole is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. And the outpost is another Bill Bergen Reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge with every inch of that edge filled up with a golf hole. A world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both have incredible views into historic Macklemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You gotta see it to believe it. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. 
Go online to MacLamore.com to book your stay and play package. I also want to remind you about the all-new TaylorMade Stealth 2 driver. If there's one thing we all know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance and let's not forget forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit them online at TaylorMadeGolf.com. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. You can find Tom at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club in Naples, Florida, which is in the southwest part of the state. Now that golf season is starting to get underway for all of us north of the Florida state line, do yourself and your golf game a favor and go see Tom and play your best golf ever in 2023. If you can't get down to Naples, download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your swing through the app. You can find Tom online at TomPatry.com and follow him on Instagram at TomPatryGolf. Don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel where you can watch over 300 free video playing lessons. And like we learned just a couple of weeks ago, Tom is in the Florida Southern University Athletics Hall of Fame and in the Sunshine State Conference Hall of Fame. And I'm always excited to say that he is back with me on Next on the T. Good evening, TP. How are you, my friend? Receive boy. <laughs> all right, TP. Chrissy, I'm, uh, I'm the old guy's a little tired today. He had a long day today. He was up at uh, about five and and started teaching Brutal. early today at seven thirty. And uh, and I just walked in the door about let me see, about thirty five minutes ago. So wow, I was that's a long day for an old guy like you. Yeah, very old. You know, you know very old. Fossil, fossil, <laughs> fossil type. Tom, we've been kicking around all week off the air. You know, the, the, the topic of the ball is the, is the big talk, talk right now in the game. Talk about where you stand on this whole idea of the USGA and the RNA wanting to roll the golf ball back. Well, I think we should raise the basketball goal to 12 feet, you know, reduce the field goal post to about three feet wide, you know, maybe make the turns at uh, Daytona a little sharper. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe make the uh, maybe make the baseball a little more hopped up. I mean, let's just, just go right across the board and do it all. I mean, <laughs> you know, why not, right, Chris? I mean, you know, let's, you're, you're not in favor of this uh, roll the ball, ball back. Is that what no, I'm hearing? No, I, I know, I know you are. I know you are, and I and am. I, I, I certainly respect your view, although I think you're dead wrong. Um, no, I, I think once the cat's out of the bag, it's kind of like the long putter thing with USG. They did a wonderful job in totally screwing that whole thing up when there was no discernible evidence at all that the, that the long putter, you know, gave anybody a, 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 an incredible advantage. If you remember, if we remember back then when, when Ernie Els, one of the great players in the history of the game was putting up the long putter, he was horrific with it. Not, not bad. He was horrific. So it didn't give any advantage at all. And, and listen, everything's evolved. I mean, athletes are bigger and stronger. The golf course is firmer and faster. Well, guess what? With the golf course, <laughs> with the golf course firm. When is the last time you did you didn't turn on the PJ Tour event? The ball landed in the fairway and rolled forty yards on the ground. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's you know, it's just. I mean, I, I, it doesn't happen at my home course very much, but I'm sure it happens on tour pretty easily. I like to play in those fairways. Um, I think course conditioning has changed. I think it's you know definitely led to the ball rolling out a long ways, and that, you know. And we think about the golf ball going through the air, but when it lands on these fairways, it's like landing on, you know, 
runway 53 at JFK. It's it's going to go a long. It's going to go a long ways. So it, and, and certainly the listen, no doubt the ball is a much better instrument than it was when I played competitively. If you compare, uh, you know, a Pro V1 title is day to you know the 396 Pilata that I played out of college. It's like playing a marshmallow, you know, versus you know a howitzer, no doubt. But but there's a lot of contributing factors. I mean. The other contributing fact I think we overlook a lot, Chris, I think it's a really big deal. When I, when I started teaching and coaching the game, you know, when I got a junior that came to me for a golf lesson, I got the leftovers. I got the kid who couldn't make the basketball team, would never play quarterback for the football team, wasn't going to be a track star, wasn't going to be the point guard on the, on, the foot, on the basketball team. Now I get the kid coming to me that would be the starting quarterback on the high school football team, would be, you know, the, the leadoff hitter on this baseball team, you know, would be the point guard on the basketball team. I get, the kid coming to me today is a much different athlete than, than what I used to get. I'm not getting the leftovers anymore because people like Freddie and Tiger made, made the game so much more popular and so much cooler that we're getting those kids now. So when you put that athlete with the golf club that we're playing today, uh, and particularly the shaft that we're playing today, and the golf ball, and the fairways, guess what? Ball will go a long ways. So to blame it all on the golf ball, I think, is a little bit short-sighted. So you mentioned course conditions. Tom, other options have been presented for how to deal with the distance issue. Can narrow the fairways, grow up the rough. Not sure how much difference that makes when these guys are hitting scoring irons from the rough. Perhaps maybe get a little less spin on it. If they're landing on harder greens, maybe that makes it a little more difficult. But we can also reduce the size of the driver club head, shorten the shaft length, are you in favor of any of those ideas? No. I think, and I, I want you to be very honest with the listener tonight, I think I stopped you dead in your tracks when I asked you to go back and look at the winning score at Marion not too long ago for U.S. Open when they when there was a lot of press written pre that U.S. Open at Marion. What year was that, Chris? Do you remember? We looked it up. Yeah, uh, I know we did. I, I, not, I, 2013, I think. I think you're right about that. And we looked at that and people were writing how Marion was obsolete. It was way too short for an open. They shouldn't be hosting a major there, blah, blah, blah. They were going to tear the golf course up. They were predicting, you know, 18 under was going to win that open. And we looked it up and Justin Rose won that open with one, one over par on a golf course that was under 7,000 yards, um, which is unheard of on the PGA Tour today. Uh, and it was conditioned. It was, it was, you know, it was the length of the grass. It was the width of the fairways. It was the firmness of the greens. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do. I think, I think today, if you look at the average course on tour, average course, I'm not talking about majors now. Um, <laughs> there's no such thing as rough. It, it, it's, a, it's like a free for all, just, you know, just grip it and rip it and then get it down there in, in what they call rough, which is, I, I, I grew up in the Northeast on, on golf courses like Wingfoot and Westchester. And I, I, I don't, I don't see any rough on tour. Uh, I grew up knowing what rough was. Um, so sure, if you put a scoring eye on a, on a lie that's not bad at all, they can still spin the golf ball. So why not hit it down there as far as we can? Um, so I, I think course setup is a big deal. But is the PGA Tour going to do that? Probably not. You know why? Birdies and bombers sell. It's, it's an entertainment vehicle. You and I are the educated golfer. I think a lot of your listeners are the educated golfer. But but for the but for the cowboy that's watching, who just like yeehaw, let's go hit this thing, Ward Boston, damn Shambo, hit that thing three hundred and forty yards. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> you know that guy. That guy wants to see that thing go far in the air because he doesn't know anything about shot making or 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 skill with short game. He doesn't care about that. 
Um, but I think the educated viewer would would embrace a different course setup and a different set of skills being um, developed on tour and going back to some things that, you know, we don't have Torino on tour anymore. We don't have George Newton on tour anymore. We don't have Gene Littler on tour anymore. We don't have Billy Casper on tour anymore. Um, and I'm not saying these guys can't hit those shots. They don't have to hit those shots. Yeah. Um, they can hit them. They're very talented, but they don't have to. Um, and it would be a lot of fun if they had to hit some of those shots on occasion. So I think, I think course setup is a big deal. Last week I had Hal Sutton on the show and he talked about how hitting the ball straight used to mean something. Yeah. Because yeah, the ball yeah. back then was spinnier, if you will. You mentioned balladas, but talk about the difference between the ballada ball that you grew up playing and you played in college and when you first were getting out on tour versus today's golf ball. You know, I mean, when, when, when you miss hit, um, just even marginally, uh, uh, Bellotta title is 396. You, you had a problem. That ball was going to go a long ways offline. So center fit, center face strikes and square club faces meant an awful lot. Uh, the club now, Chris, the club, not the ball, the club is so self-correcting. Uh, and the sweet spot is so forgiving. And, and some of these irons are so forgiving that, you know, uh, I, listen, I, I played nine holes tonight with a couple of members and, only because I'm, I'm very, very old. I can remember things like <laughs> I hit a couple of shots tonight off the tee where I, you know, I knew it wasn't a very good strike. It was just not a good strike. And looked up and the ball was in you know the right half of the fairway. And and I know if I hit that shot with a 396 and a, a persimmon hit a driver, I would have been reloading somewhere. You know, it was just that that bad of a golf swing. Uh, and, and maybe I'm being a little hard on myself, but uh, you know, I, I I guess I have a different standard, but. Um, you know the golf club. The golf club is very forgiving, and, and Hal's right. You know, hitting it straight. The NCAA that I won, Chris, the golf course was extremely long, and it was very punishing off the fairways. The, the rough was very deep, and one of the reasons I won, besides putting the ball beautifully, that that those four days is I, I drove the ball, and I, and I, I may be exaggerating this, but my remembrance is I drove it in every single fairway for four days. I didn't really have the ball out of play at all, and I was petrified to hit it out of play. Petrified because. I, I wasn't the strongest guy in the whole world. And if I got it in the rough that was on those fairways in that golf course that week, I would not have been able to advance the golf ball. Tom, I know you were very excited to watch the Live Golf Tournament this past weekend and even more excited when Danny Lee won the four-man playoff. Talk about how excited you were to finally get an opportunity to watch that. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> no? You weren't excited yeah, I, to watch that? It, I had, it was a toss-up between watching that and the Andy Griffith rerun. And I, I, I went with I went I went with Andy Griffith. <laughs> wow, you are old. Well, and I you know, want to get you. And Chris, I got to on the other channel was the, an old F Troop rerun, which was even better. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. I can yeah. understand your dilemma. Yeah, it's but a course. It's, it's a course up between Greg Norman and, and Gilligan's Island. Is that right? That's what yeah. it is. That comes down I, to I, that. I, and I'm going with Gilligan. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, as we look ahead a couple of weeks. At the Masters, how do you think things are going to go when we have a lot of the live players back in that field? I mean, past champions like Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, they're going to be at the Champions Center. They're going to be in the field. Cam Smith will also be in the field, like I say, as will a handful of other live players. How do you think that's all going to be received, A, by the former champions when those guys go to the Champions Center, and then when they go out to play practice rounds and the actual tournament rounds, 
probably going to get paired with some of those guys. How do you think those players are going to react to having the live players back out there? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be a little chilly at that dinner. I think, um, I, I think it's become, and, and, and I'm, and I'm not happy about this either side, Chris, honestly, not the live guys, not our guys. It's become very chilly. It's become very personal in, in some, in some instances. Um, there's a lot of guys that are really, really, I think pretty pissed off, uh, at, at certain people's behaviors and comments back and forth. And it's gotten a little, it's gotten a little high schoolish, you know, uh, uh, and I'm not going to mention any names on both sides. I think that, you know, listen, if, if a guy wants to take his toys and go play live and, and grab the money and, and that's what he wants to do with his career, that's fine. Go ahead and go do that. But, but once you go do that, don't badmouth the PJ tour. Don't, don't badmouth the tour that made you a millionaire 40 times over, 50 times over like Johnson or, or Patrick Reed or Sergio, who's probably the biggest crybaby I've ever seen in my life, uh, or, or, or final lawsuits against people like Reed did. It's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, just if you want to go do that, go do that and, and, and get on with it, you know, and, and, and make sure you tune into the Andy Griffith show. That's no problem. <laughs> but 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 it, it's gotten really um, it's bad. It's gotten bad for golf. It's just it's just a, it's just an ugly back and forth, you know. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine. I know Freddie and and Sergio have had a little back and forth here over the last you know week or so. Patrick Reed coming back and being in that Champions Dinner as well. It just seems like they you know they're going to have to pull some guys aside in advance and go look. You know, this is a Champions Dinner. This is how we conduct ourselves. Because to your point, it could get pretty frosty in that room and the awkward silences and, and who's sitting, you know, way away from everybody else. That's just, that's not Augusta national. Like I can't imagine that they would stand for it. So you would think that there would have to be some communication about being professional, conduct yourself like a master's champion and no shenanigans in here. No, I'm, I'm sure that uh, Fred Ridley will have that discussion. Uh, outside the room with certain people and say, listen, you know, you know, let's just, let's keep this civil. Let's do our thing. But no matter how much Fred Liddy tells anybody to do anything, there's still, there's still some pretty strong personalities in that room. And there's still some pretty strong opinions in that room. And I don't think it would take much of a comment or an off, you know, an off the cuff comment uh, being said for somebody to go back and forth and all of a sudden get a little heated. So you might want to have have the referee in the room and uh, and, and a neutral corner and the eight ounce gloves ready just just in case the live guys get to eat at the kids table over at the card table in the corner maybe maybe you know or, or out on the veranda or something like that but, but it, listen it, it's it's listen there, there are guys right now that are really really pissed off uh, on both sides and it's not good it's not good for golf it's just not good for golf yeah. It's WGC week, Field of 64. It's golf sort of version of having, uh, you know, March Madness. A lot of golf, though, for for the guys that make the final four, Tom. I mean, it, the tournament starts tomorrow morning. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot of golf for the guys that make it all the way through. I don't, are you in favor? What do you think? I mean, we don't get much match play on the PGA Tour, but what are your thoughts on, on this golf tournament? You know, I used to really like Christian. You, you'll remember this is golf, and you remember the world the world match play at Wentworth at the yep. end of the year. That was always in the fall. It was kind of what we would now consider the wraparound season. It was always that time of year. Uh, 
It was a little chilly at Wentworth, uh, and I played Wentworth, uh, the Burma Road course, a bunch of times. It's a really, really good golf course. Um, they play the BMW there now on the European Tour, or I should say the DP World Tour, excuse me. Um, and it was really fun to watch. It was an international field. It was, uh, it was a smaller field. It was 32, I believe, back then. Um, this is probably too much golf where it's being put on the schedule. Uh, these guys are certainly right now, they're, they're, their minds and their hearts are in Augusta already. Um, that's what right. they're trying to get ready for. I don't think playing match play is the best play, way to get ready for Augusta. Uh, I don't think Austin Country Club is the best way to get ready for Augusta. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are obligated to be there one way or the other who really, and I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm way out of bounds here, but don't give a crap whether they win or lose their first two matches and get out of there. Um, to get a little bit of rest and, and get and get down the road, it's it's a, it's a it's an awkward place in the schedule, and it, it's probably like you said, it's a little bit too much golf if you go all the way. Yeah, I always, you know, I wondered last year, and and obviously Scotty proved me wrong, but I thought you know when he was playing so well last year, heading into the WGC and then obviously into the Masters, when he won the WGC, I, I said to a lot of people, I just don't think he's going to have any gas left in the tank. To yeah, be able to yeah. be as sharp as he would probably want to be going into Augusta, obviously that that was proven wrong. But I just think that's a you got to be a grinder to get through this tournament and then over to Augusta National. So yeah, yeah, I, I, sort of scratched my head. And I, I think not only physically but mentally, you want to be rested and be sharp. Uh, Augusta puts you know a different kind of challenge on you, not only from a physical standpoint, playing that golf course and the strategy involved playing that golf course, but the mental sharpness and resolve you need for four days of competitive golf around that place on those putting surfaces, uh, you know, you, you need to be rested and sharp to play there. And, and you know, I, I'm not sure, again, this is in, in the best place in the schedule. Right. Tom, just a couple more before I let you go. And we created a new segment on the show for you, Tom's Tip of the Week. And, and tonight we want to talk about putting. What are some things that we can do to become better putters this year? You know, it's funny you say that tonight, Chris. I, I had uh, two students in from out of town for a, a one-day golf school thing. We started out the, the morning on the putting green, and they were they were not Crown Colony members; they were visitors. And um, we talked about you know just just a simple requirement, first of all, of how much time you spend putting and developing a feel for distance and a feel for speed control. And I said, well, just look around this putting green. You look at all, look at all my members practicing. And they looked around the green and they started laughing. They said there was nobody on the green. I said, <laughs> I said, we have two hundred. Yeah, you know, we have two hundred fifty members here, and we have the range is just about full right now. People are whacking balls, and we looked around the putting green. There wasn't a soul on it. And I said, to them, you know, we hosted an LPGA event here last year, the Drive On Championship. And, and one of the comments my members came back to me and said after that tournament was, we, they couldn't believe how many girls were on the practice green at the same time you know, fighting for a hole to putt to. And, and I said to them this morning, I said, you know, they came to me and said that, and I guess they didn't learn their lesson just tonight out here this morning. Um, you know, putting uh, is, is part skill and part, you know, it's part science and part, and part you know, skill uh, or part, part artist and part, you know, uh, engineer, if you will. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of different putting methods in the last, you know, five to 10 years. We've seen the long putter, we've seen the claw, we've seen the pencil. Uh, you know, we've seen split hand. We, we've seen Jordan Spieth look at the hole. We've seen guys close their eyes and putt. Uh, we've seen the long putter. We've seen the arm lock. <laughs> we can go on and on. 
but the bottom line is when you look at the thing that really impresses me most on tour, uh, on, on, on all tours, uh, both male and female, is how good their speed control is. Uh, I don't know if you saw the stat from even from uh, Valspar last week, but Taylor made 64 putts out of 64 putts from seven feet and in. Now, wow. now think about that. 64 for 64. And he won by one, by the way. So if somebody told you at the beginning of the week to make 62 out of 64, you'd certainly probably sign up for that, but he would have lost by one. Um, so one of the things I see, if nothing else, before we even get into technique, is the amount of time these guys spend and gals spend on the green just working on speed control, getting the ball started on a good line, the intended start line, and then rolling it down that line at a pristine speed. And, you know, nobody did it better than Crenshaw, maybe Fax. And, and I'll tell you what, your next guest did it pretty damn good for a long time, too. Mr. Bob Ford, um, who I played some golf with over the years, has a beautiful putting stroke. And, and, and because of his, his two venues, Oakmont and Seminole, which are both uh, pretty sophisticated putting surfaces, he developed over the years a hell of a putting game. So you might want to run that by him as well. But I just don't think the amateur has any concept of how much time is required on a green to develop really good feel uh, and, and really, really tour-like speed control. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners once again, how can we stay up to date with all the great things you're doing on your website and on social media as well? It's all the regular places on my website, just simply tompatry.com. And then, you know, all the outlets, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, um, all, all the normal characters. Uh, but before I go, and I, I, I do this every chance I get with you, pal, we, we are so grateful out here in the golf world for all you do and, and the great guests you bring on and the insight you bring to the microphone. Um, we need more Christmas scarrows and, Someday, maybe the Golf Channel or ESPN or Fox or somebody is going to wake up and say, you know, that guy's pretty good. We should have him on. Um, but I certainly appreciate being on. I, I really enjoy talking to you. I enjoy our conversations during the week off air when we go back and forth and banter. Um, you, 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 like me and, and like Bobby, are, are really big sports fans, and, and we, we love it, and we certainly love the game of golf. Uh, I know I do. It's, it's my whole life, and uh, I'm grateful to be on with you. Thank you for having me. I'm incredibly honored to get to share this show with you, my friend. You're a very important part of it. I love that uh, that we get to do this every other week, and uh, we do it most mornings on your way to the golf course. Uh, it's uh, one of the best parts of the day, my friend. Give, uh, give Mr. Ford my best. He, he's one of my dear friends. I love the guy very much. I will absolutely do that. Take care, Tom. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Chris. That is the great Tom Patry again. At Tom Patrick Golf on Instagram, TomPatrick.com is his website. And be sure that you go out there and subscribe to his YouTube channel, a boatload of free playing lessons available for you there. And like I say a lot, uh, I love that man. He is, he is a huge part of this show and a, and a wonderful friend and uh, an even better instructor on top of that. We can't, uh, we can't do this show without him. And I'm honored that he is continued to do tonight show number 71 with me on the show. So I can't thank him enough for being willing to do it that many times. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Bob Ford, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player 
I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a, a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX Full Face Wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And they're offering 10% off their brand new range of training aids. I visited their booth and loved their breaking ball putting mat, which allows you to practice breaking putts at home on a traditional putting mat. I've got mine right here in my studio. They've just launched their own golf glove, and they're offering Next on the Tee listeners 10% off the whole range. Use code CHRIS10 for 10% off. That offer expires March 31st of this year. Check out their great array of training aids online at meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabric. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T dot com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is one of the top instructors ever and a living legend in our game, and that's Bob Ford. Bob has been a great player and instructor for over five decades. He grew up in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, played his college golf at the University of Tampa from 1971 to 1975. He was inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2006. He was also inducted into the Allegheny Kiskey Valley Sports Hall of Fame in 1996. He was inducted into the Western Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame a couple years later in 1998 and in the PGA Professional Hall of Fame in 2005. Bob was the head professional at both Oakmont Country Club and Seminole Golf Club, two of the top courses in the world. As a player, Bob won the Pennsylvania Open three times. He played in three U.S. Opens and 10 PGA Championships. He was the 2017 Bobby Jones Award recipient, which is presented annually to the individual who demonstrates the spirit, professional character, and respect for the game exhibited by Bobby Jones. And I am very honored. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bob, thanks for coming back on the show. Well, Chris, uh, I appreciate you having me. It, it's hard to uh, follow Tom Patrick. I know of course that. it is. But uh, well, we'll do our best. Yeah, I, th- I think you're the man for it, but not everyone could be that guy. So I appreciate you giving it your effort there, Bob. Well, thanks, uh, Chris. Bob, it was a huge honor to get to have lunch with you. Tom Patrick set that up. Very grateful to both Tom and you for having lunch with me. One of the days are at the PGA Merchandise Show. Dennis Walters was also there. So, again, thank you for that. When you were at the show, though, did anything new grab your attention? While you were there? Uh, Chris, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, it was kind of the first full show after COVID. And uh, I would say I was really pleased with the energy there. And, uh, you know, the uh, the number of people that were there, I thought, it was, uh, you know, wasn't quite like a record setting back in the old days. But uh, I thought it was great. And, uh, you know, I hope that it uh, continues. And 
and stays in Orlando, you know, selfishly. And Bob, obviously, all the talk around the game right now is the USGA and the RNA wanting to roll the golf ball back. Tom just read me the riot act for how how foolish I am because I think they should do it. He completely disagrees with me. I wanted to get your thoughts. What did you think about when that came out? Good idea, bad idea. Well, Chris, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's enough. I think, uh, you know, you know, the arguments, uh, I love both sides of the arguments, you know, the game's in a great place. Why are we messing with it? Uh, golf's never been better. COVID had a lot to do with that, but the PGA tour has a lot to do with that. And they've, um, you know, they've come out and done some great things uh, going forward. They have, you know, Mr. Mickelson and Mr. Norman to thank for that, I think, because I don't think it would have happened without what they did, uh, you know, with the live issues. But, uh, you know, I wish they had done this sooner, back obviously in the turn of the century, and I wish they had done a little more. Uh, you know, I think that what we're doing is kind of a, a you know, a flea on a, on a, on an elephant. You know, I just think it's just not even, it's not even a scratch. It's not even a dent. And what, uh, what more do you think they should be doing? Well, I think they should have, uh, you know, made the length of the club 45 inches should have been the, you know, the maximum length of it, not 46. I think they should have reduced the head size to 300 cc's, uh, like it was at the turn of the century. Uh, not that these guys still wouldn't hit at 350, but, uh, and then, you know, really make, make the, make a big change to the golf ball, make it spin a lot more. And, uh, you know, I just think, you know, 17 yards on a 370 yard drive just isn't, you know, it's just not doing good. You mentioned uh, the golf ball. One of the things that, uh, Tom and I talked about was the Bellotta golf ball that, that he used as, you know, in college. And I remember playing the Bellotta golf ball back in the day versus the golf ball today. Give our listeners a sense from from your perspective. How much different is the golf ball now? Well, it's it's totally different. I mean, totally different. You know, I, you know, we, we've all gone out and taken our persimmon drivers and tried to hit this golf ball, and we hit low line drives that go about two hundred before they dive to the ground. But uh, you know, I, you know, all of us old guys would say, you know, it was really it was a lot harder to hit a lot of ball with a persimmon driver when we pick our persimmon drivers up now they look like five woods they're so small compared to what we're hitting with now and believe me you know none of us in my age bracket uh you know want to go back to that and we don't want to you know we certainly don't want to use lose yardage and i know that uh the the ball change is not going to affect us which is great you know now instead of hitting it 100 bias they're only going to hit it you know 93 yards bias so <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it was it, you had to hit it in the middle of the face. You really did. And and today's equipment, today's drivers, you know, you know, you got to hit it in the middle of the face too. I mean, you watch these guys. You know, you watch Jordan Spieth come into sixteen down there in Tampa and hit it in the middle of a lake. I mean, I don't know that he spun it much, but I mean, it's not like it's uh, you know, like you just swing as hard as you want and you hit it straight and you hit it three hundred fifty yards. It, that really still isn't isn't happening. Uh, you know, you still have to hit it in the middle of the face with a good golf swing. And uh, the Scotty Scheffler looks like he's figured it out. He looks like he's an incredible driver of the ball. And 
just doesn't look like he has a weakness. So we're, you know, pretty excited about what's going to go on up in Georgia here in a couple of weeks. Bob, when you go out and play now, I'm just curious, do you hit the golf ball just as far now as you used to 20, 30 years ago when you were using the persimmon woods and the Balata golf ball? Has the equipment allowed you to hit the ball the same distance now, 20 or 30 years later? Well, yeah, I, I guess I would say that, uh, yeah, at my age, that the, the new equipment has allowed me to play the game not too far from where I played it from, you know, growing up. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's been an incredible, uh, you know, positive for my age age group to, uh, you know, still be able to hit the ball up in the air. I remember when I got to Oakmont, particularly, uh, you know, I was 21 back in 75. And, and uh, you know, the guys that were in their 60s in that era, they couldn't make the ball go up in the air. You know, they just kind of hit 180-yard line drives and kind of into the ground and hit it about 200 yards. Uh, and it was it was really different. They had, a, you know, we we've uh, it's been a big benefit for my age group, group. That's for sure. And Bob, you mentioned the live players, and and one of the things that they are foregoing is the opportunity to be in the history books, at least for the guys that haven't won a major yet. And I hear young people now talking about why should they care about history? Look at all the money they got. I have a hard time with that. Does history matter? Does t- history still matter? Well, it matters to a lot of us. It doesn't matter to the guys that were offered a hundred million. You know, my, my wife's got a great saying, you know, she says, you know, it's really sad. All he has left is money. And, wow. uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a hurtful saying, but it's very true. And, uh, I know these guys are having a lot of buyer's remorse. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I would be shocked really. I know this is really out there, Chris, but I would be shocked if, uh, if Liv still plays in 2024, I'll be shocked. I think I think they're on the verge of disaster. And if that happens, if you were the PGA Tour commissioner, would you allow the Liv players to come back? And if you would, would you want them to do something first, like go back through Corn Ferry Tour or Monday Qualify? What would you want them to do in order to come back and be a part of the PGA Tour again? Well, Chris, you know, I've given that some thought. I'm not the commissioner, and I, I don't have an open line to uh, to Jay Monahan, but, uh, you know, my heart goes out to those guys. Uh, you know, I, if, if they indeed fold, if the tour goes away and they have nowhere to play, um, you know, I would like to see the tour, bring them back, bring the ones that are exempt, you know, still have an exemption like Dustin Johnson. He's got a lifetime exemption to play the PGA tour because he's won 20 times out there. So I'd like to see Justin come back. Um, you know, the timing of it, I'm not so sure about. I've heard different things that, uh, you know, it's going to be a five-year hiatus before they allow them to come back. I've heard they're going to make them make some monetary um, donations to get back on the tour. I've heard a lot of different things. But, you know, at the end of the day, if if they're exempt, I'd like to see them come back and play our tour. I never wanted to see them leave. A couple of them I'm kind of happy about, you know, selfishly. But, um, most of them are good guys, and uh, you know I'd like to see them back. Bob, I want to switch gears for a minute here. And Shane Ryan wrote an article for Golf Digest titled "The Club Pro Crisis," and it's about how the golf boom that's come about since the pandemic has come at a cost on the work-life balance for our local PGA professionals. Seth Waugh 
The PGA of America CEO spoke about it at their annual meeting back in November of 2021. What do you think they need to do so we don't run off the folks that I think are the lifeblood of golf? Chris, uh, yeah, I, I think to some degree um, things need to change. We're obviously in a terrible situation, not only in golf, but, you know, you go to McDonald's, they can't get help at McDonald's. They can't get restaurant help. They can't get a lot of, you know, service type help. So, you know, we're not alone in our issues. And, you know, I would, I do tell, I've told, I told the guys last Monday in the Tri-State PGA's uh, spring meeting, I said, you know, if you're working for me and you're looking for a 40, a 40 hour week job, you know, you probably ought to go somewhere else. I don't think golf's for you. I, I, I wouldn't let somebody come to work for me thinking he's only going to work 40 hours. I'd be doing him a disservice, me a disservice and our members a disservice. So, um, you know, whether you're, whether you're selling golf, you're in a, a golf professional, whether you're selling insurance, whether you're an attorney, you know, successful people work hard. And, uh, you know, particularly in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 60, 70 hour work weeks are pretty normal, um, you know, for people that are more skilled, more highly paid. And, uh, you know, it's just not the golf industry is not looking for 40 hour a week people, in my opinion. Bob, I want to go back in your career when you were hired as an assistant pro at Oakmont back in 1975. I read that you lived on the third floor of the clubhouse among what I have to imagine is a great deal of fantastic memorabilia. It had to be like being a kid in a candy store for what you must have seen when you were up there. What was that like for you? And what were some of the things you found when you went up there? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great memory for me. I lived in the uh, top floor that was uh, the third floor that was looking down on a ninth putting green at Oakmont. And uh, we, you know, we had an old curmudgeon caddy master back in that era named Joe Stoner. And when I got down from my first day at work, he said, uh, you sleeping in the clubhouse? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, what room are you? Well, I'm on the corner there, on the third floor overlooking the, the uh, putting green. He said, yeah, that, that was Sophie's room. You know, and I'm just kind of, I'm curious. So I said, uh, well, who was Sophie? She worked in the laundry. Okay. And I kind of left it at that. And he walked away, kind of shuffled away and turned back. He said, those, uh, you know, those water pipes up there above your bed there, she hung herself from those pipes. Oh, my. Yeah, you know, that's what I said. I'm like, you copy me. So I didn't sleep for a couple nights. And, I bet. You know, thinking, thinking about the sprinklers system up there with the pipes. I finally went to him and said, uh, you know, what? tell me a little bit more about Sophie. And he said, uh, no, I'm just busting you. I, I'm just teasing. So I had a couple sleepless nights over Sophie. Then he, <laughs> he said, but you did look between the mattress for the money she saved, right? <laughs> of course, I had to look there, too. <laughs> he was bad. He was he was a tough guy. But, uh, no, it, you know, the memorabilia, you know, Jack Druga was uh, one of my assistants, and he lived up on the third floor, and he was back by the attic where, where there was a bunch of stuff. Where I was, there really wasn't any memorabilia. And he uncovered a picture, actually, a blown-up picture from the 27 U.S. Open with Bobby Jones putting on the putting green, or actually putting on the, to the ninth green hole. Mr. Phones was holding the pin for him, and there were, you know, gallery everywhere. There were, you know, suits and ties and hats in the gallery. And uh, it, right now, today, it, it hangs behind our bar uh, down in the, uh, the Champions Grill. 
and it, it's a fascinating picture that's you know it's helped us with our restorations uh, of the golf course and you know there's no trees out there to be found and uh, just an extraordinary picture and uh, yeah jack uncovered that and you know they cleaned it all up and made it look nice it's it's quite a piece bob just a couple more before i let you go and when you qualified for the 1983 U.S. Open, I read that you learned a technique from a hypnotist to help you clear your mind and prepare yourself for competition. What was that like? What what they teach you? Well, it's a, it's another interesting story, Chris. You know, I I'd gone down to see her. I, you know, I struggled with com- compartmentalizing, you know, my life with uh, you know the family and running the open and doing the merchandising and trying to play and. You know, I, I felt like I needed some help. I know Jim Free was a member of my section and a good friend of mine. I know he just passed away. God bless him. But, uh, you know, he, he had done some hypnosis with uh, Randy Warren there in Pittsburgh. And uh, so I went to see this girl in Oakmont. And she had me uh, hypnotized. And my deal was that when I got to the first tee, I was getting out of an elevator and once that elevator door closed, bang, I was going to play golf. And that's all I had on my mind. And when I signed my scorecard, I was back, you know, I was back on the elevator, back in the clubhouse and my golf shop uh, to run my golf shop. So, it, you know, it worked. Uh, you know, when I got on the golf course, I really didn't think much about the golf, you know, the golf operation. And in fact, Jack Druger, again, my buddy, he, he kind of took care of things for me. And uh, but lo and behold, a couple months later. I kept using her throughout the summer and I had a great summer plan and uh, I called her before the state open and um, I got an answering machine that said that she was in South Carolina on vacation for a couple of weeks. And I hung up and I sat down, I started shaking, I started sweating. And right then and there, I said, this is it. I can't, I'm done. I'm never going to call her again in my life and uh, wean myself off of her. And that was, that's kind of the end of the story. Bob, looking ahead a couple of years, we got the 2025 U.S. Open is going to be back there at Oakmont. You going to go back up for the event and, and, and be a spectator and check it out? Or is it one of those situations where if you're on property, you're working? Well, no, yeah. I mean, you know, I retired after the 16 Open and, uh, and I joined Oakmont as a member. So I go back every summer for five months and uh, I spend my winters down here in, in Jupiter. But uh, I am now the official starter for the U.S. Open. This will be about my seventh year doing that. So in 25, I'm going to be on the first tee, calling the names for the players. And uh, it's it's really been a blast, Chris. I've really enjoyed it. That's awesome. One more, Bob, and I got to get your thoughts. Baseball season's about to start. Are the Pirates ever going to be competitive again, Bob? Did Patrick put you up to that to ask me that to <laughs> upset me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? We have the worst owner in baseball, in the history of baseball. They're they're the worst. It's just, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know how they can ever show their face. It's amazing. It's a yeah. disgrace. Disgrace to our city. Yep. Couldn't agree more to that. Bob, before I let you go, is there any way for our listeners to stay up to date with what you're doing? Are you on, are you out anywhere on social media? Chris, I don't. I don't. I let Patrick do that and. Uh, <laughs> I'm retired. I'm enjoying life uh, here in Jupiter. And then in the summers at Oakmont, I play a lot of golf. I love it. I stink, but I love to play. I'm about, uh, Patrick and I play about even now, which is really embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. Really embarrassing. And, uh, 
but no, it's uh, I love it. I love the game. I love the people. It's been my life, and uh, and I I owe everything I have to golf. So give back, give back every chance I can. Well, Bob, it's always a huge thrill getting to have you as part of the show. A privilege every time you join, and I and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I got to meet you in person at the merchandise show and and sit down and have lunch with you. And uh, I hope we get the privilege of having you back on the show again sometime real soon. Chris, thanks. Thanks for what you do for the game and uh, and and all your professionalism. I appreciate you a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thank you. That's the great Bob Ford, folks. They don't come greater or better than that man. He has taught and helped so many people how to be a great PGA professional. His teaching tree is tall and wide, and you can see why he's a living legend in our game. We need more people like Bob Ford, not just in our game, but in our world. Uh, huge respect for Bob Ford and really looking forward to having him back on the show again, hopefully sometime later on this summer. Okay, before I get to my next guest, John Hughes, I want to remind you about the folks over at Adele Golf. Power and precision. Adele Golf's SMS and SMS Pro irons offer the ultimate in iron adjustability. Featuring the revolutionary swing match weighting technology, precisely dial in each iron to your swing by moving the heaviest weight to its optimal position for maximum performance. Learn more about them by going to adelgolf.com. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried squares? Try the new speed bolt at squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is one of the top instructors in our game, and that's John Hughes. John earned his business degree at Appalachian State. He's been teaching the game for almost 30 years. He's worked with everyone from beginners all the way up to tour pros. John is one of the very few PGA Master Professionals and a Top 25 Instructor with Golf Tips Magazine. John was named the 2023 North Florida PGA Section Teacher of the Year. The Golf Range Association of America named him a Top 100 Growth of the Game Instructor. And in 2013, he won the Horton Smith Award for his dedication to education for all golfers. He is the Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section. And I had the privilege of meeting John in person this year at the PGA Merchandise Show. And I am very excited that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, John, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, my pleasure. Appreciating the opportunity. It was an absolute pleasure meeting you at the show this year. Glad we were able to bump into each other. Yeah, me too. John, I, I, I got to tell you, being there with you at the show and getting to spend some time with you, obviously that was great. I, but I wanted to get your perspective of the show and and during your travels around the around the floor, anything really jump out at you? Anything new really capture your attention? Not necessarily something new, as much as uh, the show does have some life again after the pandemic last year. People were concerned about that, and I think we saw some steady growth. Uh, there's nothing better than face to face contact with whether it's a, a product, uh, a person, a service. And, and I think that was alive and well 
at the PGA show this year. And I, I think it, it bodes well for the future. I don't think we'll ever be the same size as we were, say, 10 to 15 years ago. But I think there was a lot more business done on the floor. That's at least what my friends and my vendors told me. Uh, they got more out of the entire experience. For me personally, I was able to see uh, some newer things. Uh, the biggest newer thing was some uh, video and, and sports box who have been doing business with for a while, uh, actually getting to see them and talk to them about what's coming in the future. The the real key that I saw was there were more people there, there was more interactions, there was more engagement, and I think we're going to see that going forward. John, the main topic of discussion around the game right now is the, the roll the ball back idea, the USGA and the RNA talking about that. Your thoughts, is that something that we need to do? I'm not as up on it as some others, uh, and I can see both sides of the story. We, we certainly have some golf courses such as Oakmont, who's had to put a lot of investment in there. I'm sure Mr. Ford knows that and has seen it just so they could keep up with the golf ball. And there's others that will eventually get out of play for a major tournament or for, for that matter, maybe even just a corn fairy event. So I can certainly see that side. I can also see the player side that why are we going to play something different as well as the manufacturers and the amount of money they have to spend to produce a product that might not be available to the general public. My gut feeling is there needs to be some type of rule and or policy uh, such as the one ball rule that was put into play almost 50 years ago that allows the current golf ball manufacturers to continue the progress they're making for the people that Tom and I and Mr. Ford teach on a day-in, day-out basis, while at the same time, the elite, the 1% of the 1%, can still play it, yet keep courses that keep courses from becoming obsolescent. Uh, I, I think it's, I'm happy the USGA and RA has a, still has a little bit of discussion going on with this, but it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. At the end of the day, I think you can make golf courses tougher for anyone by growing the rough up, bringing the fairways in and making the golf course putting surfaces tougher to putt and hold. And we see that time in and time out with the world's best. I think that's the, ultimate negator that's the ultimate neutralizer whether they roll the ball back or not it's interesting you mentioned for the elite player and that's one of the things that i've been sort of scratching my head about john is at what point do you cross the elite line because like for even for you as a pga professional you could go out and qualify to play in the pga championship where is elite is elite when if you're playing college golf is it elite once you turn pro do you guys as PGA professionals, are you guys elite because you could play in a PGA championship? What do you think that line is? Great question. I have this discussion with my clientele all the time. For for me, it's a level of commitment that's beyond what you've been accustomed to doing. Uh, and that elite level hopefully matures as you mature as a golfer. Uh, meaning, yeah, the first part of elite might be you're playing collegiately, 
if you've never played at that level before. It could be you're jumping from college to the professional ranks. And then from the professional ranks, you're climbing the ladder to the PJ Tour. You're playing the majors. Uh, having been a professional athlete in another sport, I can tell you elite does morph, uh, metamorphosize to a certain degree based on your commitment level and how far you want to take it. So elite, a lot of times, is more in the eye of the beholder, the golfer who's trying to reach the, the next plateau. For a coach, it's helping that person get there and understanding what it takes to get there, uh, supporting your player to get there, pushing them when they need a little nudge. But most importantly, continuing it, continue to educate them to understand, look, your level of lead isn't really what you're talking about. What you're talking about is the next level. Here's what needs to be done. Are you ready to do it? And if that person's ready to do it, great. If they're not, that's okay. And I think that's a great lesson for anybody listening tonight. Your level of elite is based on where you're trying to get to. Elite, when we're talking about rolling the ball back, just think of that as the best of the best, the 1% of the 1%, which takes a whole nother level of commitment that most of us just aren't ready to take. John, one of the other things I was talking to Bob Ford about early on in the conversation is the role of the PGA professional and the demands on your time. It feels like that has changed a lot over the last 10 to 15 years that work-life balance is, is becoming more and more challenging for the PGA professional. Do you see that going on with you and your peers? Absolutely. More so with my peers. I work for myself and, and when I've tried to bring people on board to take some of my overflow, that is the number one subject matter as I'm interviewing somebody is what what's the balance and what we're experiencing now on a global scale with the PGA is our ability to recruit but more importantly retain current golf professionals or current PGA associates because of work-life balance that seems to be really the buzz phrase out there now uh, as an association we're trying to do everything we can to understand it based on who's who's coming in as an associate, whether it's gender-based or age-based or any other base. What does that balance look like? And we're trying to listen as best we can, but I, I did catch that conversation. And I think somebody does have to be realistic when they enter the professional being a golf professional, particularly a PGA professional. There's no such thing in the middle of Pennsylvania as a 40-hour work week in the middle of July. For me, in the middle of January, February, there is no such thing as a 40-hour work week. There are ways of balancing your life. Uh, I think over time, generations have a different point of view and a different definition. It's a matter of how flexible, how much on the move our entire industry could be not just the PGA, to understand what balance means today, not necessarily tomorrow, while at the same time instilling some of the values of yesterday into tomorrow's professionals. John, you've worked with guys and gals at elite levels all the way up to the PGA and the LPGA tours, and the game of golf is so fickle. One day you're Matthew Fitzpatrick and you're winning the U.S. Open, 
The next day, you're Matthew Fitzpatrick, and you've missed four of your last six cuts. When you're working with players on the tour level, how razor thin is the difference between winning and not making the cut? It It is extremely razor thin. I could not describe it any better. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is the people you're not watching Thursdays and Fridays trying to make the cut and having an understanding of what they're going through to make a cut on a Matthew Fitzpatrick level it the razor thinness could mean the difference between the ball move one dimple forward one dimple back in their ball position it can make a major difference in how they're striking the ball it could also a razor thin difference could be the distractions off the golf course that could be taking effect with him. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is those guys and gals put their clothes on the same way you and I do. They have emotions just like you and I do. They have trained themselves to understand what it takes to get on the other side of that razor's edge. And it can't be done every day. It, it, it's sort of like you can't please everybody. You're just trying to please the vast majority when it comes to the service business, when it comes to playing golf, you have to please a lot more than just the vast majority, meaning most of your shots have got to be in a position where opportunities are constantly in front of you and you're seizing the moment. You're seizing that opportunity. Sometimes that opportunity is just making a par to make a cut. And that's that's what a lot of amateurs don't realize is that par is of such great value out there. That's not the measuring stick though. It's what you're able to do beyond it that really allows you to succeed and, and be consistently successful on the tour. And, and it takes a lot of effort. It takes a team, but most importantly, it does take a lot of commitment, just as, just as much commitment as someone would make to their child when they're first born. I mean, I, I hate to, make an analogy like that but that's what it takes it it literally takes that kind of commitment to get over that razor's edge john i want to get a couple of playing lessons from you tonight and for those of us that live north of the florida border and it's just now starting to get warm enough outside for us to break the clubs out and get back out on the course is there something that you recommend how do we build our our swings back up and get ready for a new golf season without hurting ourselves because Maybe we haven't been able to play for three, four, five months. I think I know better with you. I think I've seen some <laughs> pictures of you sneaking out, which is good. And <laughs> I would start right there. But you got to sneak out every time you can. And whether it's stretching, swinging the club in the backyard or in the garage, anything to keep connected to the sport, and keep connected to your swing is a major ordeal. I get so many people to want to come to a golf school with me now, and I'll normally ask them the first day during lunch, why didn't you come back in October, November, when you could have worked indoors on all these new things you want to learn and you would have been prepped for the spring? And a lot of people don't think about that, but that is, for the players, a little bit more committed to their game, probably a better pathway to take. I think the other thing I tell people, particularly at the beginning of the season, is leave your expectations at the door. Uh, just because you did it last year doesn't mean you're going to do it this year. You got to ask yourself how and why did you get it done last year and start repeating some of those steps. The, the real key 
let's just keep par in play. And you you probably have your own personal par based on what your average score is or what your average drive is or what your average club from 150. You, you've got to understand that it's going to take a little bit to get the dust off, to get the rust out of the bones and the skeletal muscular system. It's going to take a little bit to get the depth of touch back with your short game and, and putting. And when you've got expectations, the patient's level's almost slim to none. Leave those expectations at the door. Surprise yourself with some aha moments of things that you accomplished last year, but they just happen because you're not trying to do them. You're just allowing them to happen. And take an inventory as you're doing it. That inventory is going to help you get much further down the road quicker to what your goals might or might not be for this year. John, in your March newsletter, you talk about delaying impact. Walk us through what you mean by that. Sure. What most amateurs, and I, I appreciate you looking at that. At least I know somebody is. Uh, <laughs> basically, what an amateur does is they release the club very early, whether it's with the wrists, whether it's with the trail side of the body, whether it's with just trying to get the ball airborne, they lose their impact position. They lose the leverage that allows the ball to fly straight and far. So by delaying impact with the better player, with the more elite player, that could mean that the trail hand, in the case of the right hand or the right hand, the palm is actually delaying and facing the ground a little bit longer than normal. For the average amateur, that palm facing the ground probably is happening about midway down, where a really good player is keeping that palm facing the ground a lot longer. It could mean that your trail shoulder for the right hand or the right shoulder, the left hand or the left shoulder, is staying behind, allowing the hips to clear and get out in front, and that the shoulder staying behind and staying behind the golf ball. It could mean some people are love to use the towel or the head cover tucked underneath their armpit or underneath their elbow. That is a way of delaying impact. The real key here is trying to keep loft integrity, meaning if the club is 28 degrees, trying to keep it at 28 degrees. Let's not make a 60-degree wedge 72 degrees. And also, let's keep the club square enough where you can control the trajectory that way. Being able to delay impact literally provides you more leverage, should produce a more square golf club, should produce a lot less quote-unquote side spin or axis tilt to the spin, and in turn should reduce your dispersion, have you hitting it just that little bit long. And John, a moment ago, you mentioned ball position. Talk about the effect that that can have on our drives. How can we use ball position sort of in an advantageous way for ourselves if we need to hit a draw, we need to hit a fade, and obviously when we want to hit it straight down the middle of the fairway. Yeah, I've got to start with some common faults I see with a lot of golfers when they hear about putting the ball forward in their stance. I've, I'll see some golfers who shoot as low as, say, 85, put the ball so far out in front of them, almost outside of their feet, that the club path has nowhere else to go but across them to the left for the right-hander to the right for the left-hander. and That's going to shut the face down. You're going to have to find a way to keep it open. You are either going to 
mother hook it left or hit this really big block high fade. Uh, ball position to hit the draw. Yeah, you've got to have it forward, but not too much forward. More, Not as much as you think, but actually teeing it higher is going to help you hit that draw. Whereas when the ball is low to the ground, your eyes are telling your brain, hey, go go down after that thing. But the driver isn't made to do that. So you will create a little bit more outside and you will create a little bit more fade regardless of which side of the ball you're standing on by teeing it up a little bit lower. Uh, the the ball position is, it, I agree with you, it's a, it's a fickle thing with a lot of people. If they can just find a standard, I talk about this a lot. What is your standard? You know, can we find a standard ball position that allows you to hit it as straight as possible for you and as long as possible for you. And then when it comes time, knowing how to alter that standard, whether you're teeing the ball up higher or lower, moving it slightly forward to hit the draw, maybe putting it a little bit back from the stance to hit the fade, but then understanding the other setup positions that allow that to happen. John, before long, you're going to be back up at Macklemore again for your summer home, if you will. Talk about your summer golf school that you conduct up there. Oh, it's a thanks for asking. It's I fell in love with Macklemore last year when invited up there by Charlie Reimer, both of our a friend of both of ours. Macklemore is such a special place, and and the improvements and the additions they're making up there are just going to be out of this world, rock solid. People can visit me up there for one-to-one, two-to-one, four-to-one. I'm starting a book, believe it or not, an eight-to-one here shortly where you can visit me for as many many days as you wish. It's all-inclusive of accommodations, instruction, 18 holes of on-course instruction, two meals at the award-winning Craig restaurant. Uh, I, I could probably die in that restaurant of something <laughs> uh the food's just incredible the service is just out of this world uh, i would put it up there with the best of the best from a service standpoint of view and the it's so secluded that might be a, a negative for it right now but it's so secluded the nights that you can't beat the starry sky nights there with no light noise no road noise and, and you just sort of look out over Macklemore Cove on 18 and just wondered how in the world did, did I get here? It's just a fantastic golf course with fantastic people. The golf schools are there to just help you get better at golf while enjoying, to me, one of the best kept secrets in American golf. How, how more people don't know about this, uh, I'm not sure. So you got to talk about the 18th hole. I've, I've seen some of your videos. And one of the things that, that has struck me that the two times that I've played up there, I've hit the drive of my life on 18 a couple of times, but that uphill to that green when left and long are off the mountain, that's an unbelievable perspective. It's a little intimidating. I got to be honest with you. It's a little intimidating well, that I've hit a great shot and then try to hit that next one. That's when you got to bring the ropes and the clampons with you. And the, the shoe spikes, <laughs> so you can climb down the cliff. Uh, but it it is a great hole. Most people see this hole and immediately want to hit a draw. And if you hit the draw and hit the wrong part of the hill on the other side of the rock outcroppings, you are searching for your ball in Macklemore Cove. It's a it's a faders golf course, and that's 
best played with a fade. Uh, and it leads you a very makeable second shot. Any anywhere between say a hundred to a hundred and sixty. I've I've played that hole several times. I haven't had much more in than say an eight iron. And with it going uphill, a lot of people don't understand that you're probably going to come up short. You're underestimating the elevation. And from the bottom of that fairway to just the top of the front part of the green is roughly 23, 24 feet of elevation. It might not feel that way. It might not see that way. It's going to play two clubs shorter most of the time. So going over the green, I don't see too many people do that unless they way over club where they pull it. I've seen a lot of a lot of them go left to that green, but very few go long. Luckily, Bill Bergen, Reese Jones did a great job of beveling that green back into the fairway. I've seen more balls roll off that green than I have rolled through. But I will tell you this, there's no better vista to end a round of golf almost anywhere in the US than on that 18th green. You get the cameras out doesn't matter what time of day you just sit there on that green and look at what's out there and take the pictures and you've made some memories for a lifetime yeah you have john let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing follow you on your website and over social media as well well it's real easy i thought this out very soon as when i started my business john hughes golf put an ampersand a hashtag, whatever it is in front of there, or a .com at the end, and that's the best way to find me. If you're interested in joining me at Macklemore, there's still some limited spots available. You can go to macklemoregolfschool.com. All the details are right there, and I do hope you join me. And Chris, it's been a little while since I've been on this program. I hope we don't have as big a hiatus next time, but between now and the next time I'm on, I appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate what you do for golf through the podcast and and best of luck to you through 2023. I appreciate that very much, Don. We will certainly do it a lot sooner. I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes up at Macklemore. So right around that time, let's get back together. Let's hear how things are going and and uh, catch up on all the great things that you're doing for, for your students. And then obviously uh, the great things you're doing up there at Macklemore as well. So we look forward to hearing your report. We may have to have you up there to do the podcast from up there while I'm there. I like that idea. All right, let's make that happen. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Take care, John. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks. That is John Hughes. And, folks, there's only a handful of instructors out there that can say that they are a master professional. And by a handful, I almost literally mean a handful that have reached that level. And John Hughes is one of those guys. Um, getting to spend some time with him at the PGA merchandise show was fantastic. Getting to know John a little bit, uh, was great. And, uh, and certainly look, Macklemore is a great place. You hear me, you hear me bragging about it every single week. John got up there for a reason, right? Not just because it's new and beautiful and the golf course is great because of the level of instruction that he provides to students. And you come back because that was so great the first time around. They wanted to have him back a second time around. So. That tells you all you need to know about how great of an instructor John Hughes is. Folks, you got to go out there and follow him. I promise you we'll get him back on the show again real soon. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Jack Curry, I want to remind you about our friends over at Two Under, men's performance wear. 
They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2under.com. 2under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scony changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too, so spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXTONT20, so next on T20, at checkout for 20% off. That's scony.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is the vice president of sales and marketing for Two Under and one of the founders of the Scony brand, Jack Curry. Jack has been in sales, marketing, licensing, and consulting for about 40 years. Much of that time has been in the golf, sporting goods, footwear, and apparel sectors. As you guys have heard me say over the years on this show, Two Under is the very best underwear and t-shirts that I have ever worn. Their fabrics are soft and comfortable. Their styles are fun and look great. Every season, they come out with new and fun styles that I look forward to. The Scony Golf Shoe brand is a great new shoe that you can wear on or off the golf course. They are so cool that they won Best in Show at the PGA Merchandise Show this year. And I'm very honored to have Jack back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Jack, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having us. So, first of all, congratulations again for Scony winning Best in Show. What a huge thrill that had to be for you guys. It was uh, a huge thrill for all of us. We had no idea. When you go into that new new product pavilion and you've got 300 competitors that are new products out there for the peers of the golf industry of the PGA of America to see and to get voted number one, was we were ecstatic, over the top. So let's talk about the Scony brand. Where did the idea, Jack, come to create a, a shoe that we can wear all day, whether we're in the office or just sort of out and about, and then go right from there to the golf course and we don't have to change our shoes anymore? Well, I give a lot of credit, Chris, to the two guys who are my partners, John Matuzic and Craig Shaw. Um, from inception, they're, uh, they were at a softball tournament where they go U-Triple-S-A and uh, you know, are heavily involved in that, but they're wearing the, a shoe out there called the Hey Dude shoe. And they happened to be sitting there after the tournament was over, had their Hey Dudes up on a, on a footrest and have a libation in their hand and watching a golf tournament. They looked down at their shoes and look up at the golf uh, tournament on TV and said to themselves, why can't we create a shoe that looks like that, but has more stability and more torsional strength made for golf so you can have a casual slip-on shoe? And coined the phrase slip-on tee off as their slogan. Took them about 18 months to 24 months to develop through different factories overseas the product that they felt was uh, ready to go to market. Um, and then when they did come up with that product, they came to me and said, can you help us run this company and take it to market? And 
IRS reps and go to the retailers and the pro shops and introduce it. So I was very fortunate to meet those two gentlemen. Uh, Craig Shaw's father, Michael Shaw, is a South Carolina rep, and uh, he and I are very close friends. And he called me, he said, my son's got a product that I think would be very helpful if you could help them get to market with it. And we did, and we consummated a deal. And from that point, uh, introducing the product last July, started hiring reps, um, had our first, first container landing in November. That product did land November the 15th in Savannah Port. Took us a little while to get it through the port and into our fulfillment center in Georgia and started shipping our first order just three days prior to Thanksgiving of this past year. And uh, from there to the PGA show, we didn't do any, it was a soft launch. We didn't do any hard launches until we went to the PGA show. We took a very impressive 10 by 20 booth, presented to every PGA of America member um, who was attending that show. And we had a fantastic show and the, and the response was great. And the customers came in and were trying them on. And as you saw, we, you were there. The energy was huge in that building this year, bit bigger than it's ever been in the last 10 years, which was fantastic to see. Uh, the industry needed that. And we were fortunate to be a part of it. And to get that award and all and be a part of it and show our product there and take it from there and, and move out to the industry um, has really accelerated our product a lot quicker than we expected. And we're very fortunate and blessed. Jack, one of the questions people have asked me about, because I wear them a lot when I go to work, you know, won't the knobs on the bottom of the shoes, won't those things wear out quickly if you're walking around the office or out and about all day long and then you try to go play golf in them? Talk about why that's not the case. That's perfect, Chris. Uh, good segue there. The, the product is made first quality. And the first and foremost, that bottom that we're talking about is heavy durometer, heavy wear, gum rubber bottom. That bottom will probably outlast any upper that we make on top of that shoe. You could ride a, on a motorcycle uh, all day and let your feet dry on the cement. And I guarantee you're not going to see signs of wear. So it's going to take you a long time to take that wear out. And the uh on the bottom because of the abrasion factor the high durometer it's a it's a soft but very heavy durometer means the resistance to friction is very very high so it's not gonna it's not gonna create any wear spots and i've literally worn my gray blue pair for over 10 months on cement every single day and played golf in them in barefoot and in socks and i've not seen any sign of wear they've been washed four times that material that we use on the upper is called a microfiber fly knit. Um, it's a fantastic material. It's a little, um, it's breathable and it's machine washable. Um, we put that on top of the phylon midsole, which really helps to create the torsional strength so that you can actually play golf and not feel like, like you're going to fall out of a slipper. It's got a lace lock on the front, which allows you to cinch it up and pull it across that forefoot. We feel that the last that we built it on, which is very important to me in the golf industry, 97.5% of golfers are a D heel and a double E forefoot. Um, and when you play golf, gravity plays a part in that. And as you continue to swing, your feet are going to expand in a shoe. So if you created a, a toe box that is not wide enough, you can pinch your feet and create some cramping and issues for people in their feet. So we've gave, given every golfer plenty of room in that toe box. And then we put what we feel is very important, and that is a removable insole in it, Chris. And that's because a lot of golfers have plantar fasciitis or foot issues just because they've been playing golf for so long. So by having a removable insert, they can then import um, the 
orthotics that they have personally made that they spend a lot of money on to protect their feet. And with all those features and benefits added in there, we added some flavors. We put color in there. We put excitement in there. We didn't just put your plain old black and blue in there. We put some gray and blue and gray and pink, red, white, and blue, some browns, some tans and khakis. And it's really been well-received both in the men's side of it um, in those eight colors that we, we made. But then we added ladies and we introduced it at the PGA show in five colors. And that is just going crazy for us. And you mentioned a second ago, you've actually played with no sock. Talk about that. How do you play no sock? Well, again, we put a great insole in the bottom of that and your feet are going to sweat. But one of the things with the breathable top that you have there is you have the capability to allow your feet to breathe. And there's something that I, John Hughes, who's a great teacher and also a big two under fan. Um, he, you know, a lot of the, the best teachers teach you to, to almost practice barefooted so that you get a great pivot feel. You can feel the, the weight shift from your right side to your left. <coughs> Excuse me. Our, our shoe allows you to feel like you're at ground level, has great stability on the bottom. So literally I can actually feel, I feel better without a sock in any golf shoe, but more importantly, this one, because it has that flexibility to allow me to feel the ground where some other shoes, when they're the hard bottom on a hard top, you're, they're masked. You really can't feel the ground underneath you. Um, so sometimes it's very difficult to feel where you're shifting in your weight. And uh, in playing competitive golf, I play on the amateur players tour, which is the APT tour, 4,500 players nationwide. Um, it's a, a, a full, uh, league that puts you in any division from a zero or plus two handicap all the way up to a 28 handicap and you play against your division and it's a great there's 51 chapters nationwide and i've played in those events um since last july when we first got the shoes in um and i have never had an issue of falling out of a shoe and never had an issue of slipping or sliding um granted you're not going to wear this on a heavy dew morning or after a severe rainstorm when it's a little sloshy out because of the material, it's going to get muddy. It's going to be a little uh, get dirty. But I did it and did it on purpose because I wanted to see after I was done, you let the, the mud or the dirt dry, you brush it off, you put it in the machine and it comes out looking brand new as if you just got it. Jack, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go over to the other brand, Two Under. Because each year, you guys seem to be adding more PGA Tour pros to your list of brand ambassadors. Talk about the guys that you have working for the brand now. Gosh, we are very blessed there. I mean, you, you can't be you can't be more blessed than when the PGA of America comes to you and asks you to be a part of the official brief of the team of the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup and the vice captains and the captains that are involved in those teams. So, you know, you're getting the top of the the cream of the of the crop right there. You're getting the best players in the world wearing the two under briefs. And we've introduced that and our our buttery soft luxury t-shirt through that with the Ryder Cup logos on it, the President's Cup logos. And now we sell them to all the country clubs nationwide. We use it for a lot of member, member, member guest events, invitational events like Sea Island Invitational. They do hoodies with us every year. The briefs have continued to, to escalate um, with the players. They just, I mean, literally, I have to say the uh, the uh, Caddies Association, the Association of of uh, professional tour caddies called me today. Literally, we were on the phone today. They want us to be a national sponsor for them so that they can all get a part of it because most of them 
of the caddies of these players that we've supplied product to and worked with who have bought the product. Now their caddies want to wear it. You know, Joe Scavron is no longer with Ricky, but of course, Ricky being our global ambassador was introduced to the product and he brags about it. And Kip Henley and, you know, I can go on and on. Paul Tesori, who's now with uh, obviously Cam uh, and he switched over and, um, you know, he's longtime caddy of Webb Simpson for, geez, I can't imagine, 15 years probably. Um, they all wear the product. So we're very blessed. And having more and more players come on board and caddies calling us the Champions Tour, I can go mention another 10 or 15 on there. And then it trickles down into the Corn Ferry and even other tours um, outside of that, including the European and the uh, the Asian tours. You mentioned Ricky Fowler, and Ricky's been a big brand ambassador for you guys for several years. Went through a little bit of a slump in his playing career, but now that he's seems to be back with Butch Harmon and they seem to be working things out. It feels like Ricky is on the cusp of being back to where he was a few years ago. Got to be great for you guys to see his name back on leaderboard. It is. And we've never lost faith in Ricky. Ricky's a a great human being, a great young man. And you know what? We didn't think he was going to, he lost his game. You know, he's got, he had a lot of few distractions over the last two or three years. He got married. He's got a little baby, Maya. And you know, everybody goes through those parts of their life where they have a, let's call it a setback or a change in life. And maybe that was his time. And maybe that's a two, three year hiatus we're talking about, but um, I'm hoping that he plays really well at the, uh, the Dell um, WGC this weekend and gets, moves himself into the top 50 and gets his invitation back to the masters. Um, if not, if he doesn't do well this weekend, uh, then he's got to go and win next week, um, you know, at the, at the uh, Houston tournament. So either way, he's, he's going to be there. Um, Butch has done a phenomenal job and the changes that he's made, I mean, moving into a new caddy and back to Butch are all positive changes for Ricky, but Ricky's never lost his game. He's just lost his way a little bit um, and it needed some uh, recollection to bring you back to where you were. Jack, talking specifically about the brand, you've got so many fun new designs this year at 200. Talk talk about what you guys have done to kind of freshen up uh, the underwear game because Right about now, it's you know spring. It's time to make some changes for our for our drawers. Do that spring cleaning. Get some new items, and you guys have a lot of great new designs there as well. Chris, you're so right. Um, our design team is spectacular. Dave and Rocky have done a fantastic job in going over there and and finding more and more new designs and getting creative. I mean, people are having fun with it. Uh, what used to be predominantly a male purchased product is now being bought by the females for the men. The, in their life, um, whether it's brothers, sister, brothers, uncles, dads, significant others and hubbies, it's all because they feel good. They love what the men uh, enjoy while wearing these products. And it's given us an opportunity to keep it fresh and keep something out there that's new and exciting. For the first time ever in 2023, we introduced six golf prints. We've never had a golf print in our entire line up until this year. And this is our, our going into our ninth year. So um, we're very fortunate. Uh, the, the co- continuation of all these new prints, Chris, keeps it exciting, right? It shows a lot of people that we, we aren't just going to be the boring blacks and grays and reds and blues out there. Um, there are conservatives who that's all they want to wear, but we also have people who want to have fun with it. And because we have a product and a patent in there with the Joey pouch, um, it's a game changer for men. And it's really uh, afforded us an opportunity to put a product on a man that he he not only wants and desires to wear it every day, 
uh, not only for golf, but the women in his life are buying them for as gifts. And that's become a, a great part of our uh, our growth and our business for sure. And Jack, I'm a big socks guy. And when people come to work with designs on their socks, I'm like, don't try to out socks me. And you've got some great new designs that match the <laughs> underwear. So you can have your you can have your socks and your underwear match. Talk about the socks. Yeah, the socks were a fun part of it. I mean, again, it's called brand extension. So when we introduced our, our hats to match the socks and the underwear and the socks, the socks, one of the things we wanted to do is we're, there's a lot of competition out there, of course, in every category, but in socks, it's pretty heavy. We said, let's just have some fun. We have an athletic ankle sock in three colors, just basic and a crew sock. But where we really wanted to resonate because the two under brand has become a fun, fashionable product is match the underwear. So we've got boom time and Galactica. We've got range time and cart path and you can go on and on space golf. And those socks are, like you said, are adding fun in life. So it actually started for us, believe it or not, about three or four years ago. The formal wear business came to us, Chris, and said, listen, the, the grooms are looking for gifts differently for the, for their, uh, their, their the platoon of men. They're going to be in the, uh, the, the wedding party. Do you have something that would match up with the underwear so we could get the photographer to have a little fun? Because the groom is tired of buying, buying flasks for everybody. It, he wanted something fun and wanted to participate in that photographer's wedding album where the men really don't get featured. It's always the women. And now they can just let their waist down a little bit, just the waistband open, uh, show the brief and then pull up the bottom and they can take a picture of six or eight guys in the party and show off what they're, they're expressing there. And it's added a, a little flavor to our business and has helped us to grow our brand and become a store within the store. So we aren't just known as an underwear brand or a performance first layer. Let's be a brand that affords everybody an opportunity. And as you experienced yourself, and thank you for sharing that, those t-shirts, are just unbelievable. Yeah, they are. And 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 that's a question because when I put those things on, you, you mentioned buttery soft, and that's and that's a great way to describe them. I mean, they're the softest t-shirts I've ever worn, and they and they hold up and they look good, and 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 they add a, add a splash of color when I'm if I'm going out on the golf course, I may you know try to combine the colors, you know, a little little contrast in the t-shirt and and the polo shirt that I'm wearing, that sort of thing. What makes those T-shirts so great? Well, again, um, because we utilize the material called the lensing modal, the modal fabric is that we utilize will not pill, will not shrink, will not fade. So it's the highest quality yarn that you can possibly put into a product. And we took 65% of the 95% that's in the brief, put that into the T-shirt, mixed it with 30% of a organic polyester, something that really is going to hold its shape and then put some elastane in there. The elastane is going to help uh, give you that stretch and that feel because we didn't want it to be a snug, athletic fit. We wanted it to be a nice, comfortable, loose fit. If you're wearing it, like you said, under a polo or as a base layer under something and layering, or you wanted to wear it with a quarter zip or a sport jacket and jeans and you're going out on a date night, you can still look professional out there, not look like it's a shabby t-shirt that you've washed a hundred times. It's going to look perfect every single time that when you're done washing it. And then, of course, we've allowed ourselves to be a part of the the imprint business. You know, in the country club business, you know, it's all about getting the name of the country club or or the prominent um, clubs that people are members of. They want to broadcast that. They want to show it, and they want to be to bring something home as a memorabilia from that club where they visited the, or they actually play at every day. So now we can print them with that, and 
that's really added a, a, a huge part of our business. It was a, a, such a big part of the, the business this year at the PGA show. We were overly surprised. It just continues to grow. And like you said, we added four new colors this year. On top of the eight colors we had, we added some heathered um, mint and uh, and lime green, not bright, uh, light blue and a pink for men. And uh, we've got four new colors coming for fall and holiday as well. So let's let's take that last thing a step further. What are some of the things that you've got coming up for for either or both brands that we get to look forward to? Well, let's let's feature on two under first. Uh, two under the the features that we have for for fall holiday um, that we actually introduced in spring too are the new Bodie short. It's a four way stretch polyester um, combination. It's got an elastic band, a zippered pocket in the back, concealed zipper pocket, deep front pockets for your cell phones with. Um, a, a real good feel to it. Um, we added our new joggers. Um, we added a jogger in a lightweight and a midweight, both in a short and a, a jogger length. We added some new polos in our uh, dry fit kind of uh, fabric. And then we've got um, so, some new t-shirts that we added called the all day tee, just in case the price point on the luxury tee was too much for other people. We've added that. And that's an organic cotton and polyester combination. A little lighter weight than the luxury tee, but definitely a, a beautiful feel because we don't want to lose that quality that we've uh, we've continued to deliver. And then fall, you're going to see all new fall colors. Um, I can't give you the names of them, but I tell you that the fall holiday prints that are coming out. I thought our spring was good. The fall holiday is over the top. It's that good. Wow. So that's two. Un- that's two under. Two under. Um, and what we're introducing for fall holiday. Think about now, Scony, where are we going with Scony? So we've got an introduction. Of course, we added the women's. We're going to introduce a size 15 in men because Charlie Reimer, who's a good friend of yours and mine, and obviously the Macklemore and the Myrtle Beach uh, show that he's got going. The first thing he said to me, Jack, I love the shoe, but you don't make them big enough for me. Um, and then I've got good, a uh, good old, uh, pro down here and in the founders group at Myrtlewood, Eddie Overstreet, another 15. He said, Jack, I love to wear them. I wear Hey Dudes every day, but I need a size 15. So we're adding 15s. And we're right now testing uh, sizes 12 through five and a half because we are six in men's um, for the children. We're, we're pr- probably going to add some kids. We're not 100% sure. We're waiting for the test uh, wear pro- products to get here to be able to release those. And we're already working on spring 24 and our generation two for a, a waterproof model of the Stony Shoe. That's fantastic stuff, Jack. How can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's following the brands or following you online and on social media? Well, thanks, Chris. Obviously, for two under, it's the number two, UNDR.com. Please feel free to go on there, and Chris will share his, uh, his web code with you. I'm sure you can all take advantage of that. And for Sconi, it's S-K-O-N-I dot com. And in addition to online for both of those companies, we're also available at all your better sporting goods and golf retailer specialty stores and over 4,000 golf shops for two under. And we're at 250 and climbing in the in the pro shop business for Sconi and just started, of course, that in January. So we feel very proud of that growth. <laughs> and uh, you can follow me on on TikTok, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I try to keep us all up to date and show the fun, fun things when I'm traveling and showing two under in Sconey. Well, Jack, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show and be a partner with 
me in the show over the last several years. It's, it's been great watching the growth of the two under brand and now getting involved with Sconey. You guys are, are really knocking it out of the park and well deserved being the, the product, uh, you know, that got spotlighted at the PGA merchandise show, best in show. Well deserved for that because the shoes are fantastic. And, uh, and so is the two under brand and everything you guys are putting out. So thank you very much for all of that. Well, Chris, thank you for your support. I want to say that also the PGA of America members, <clears throat> excuse me, members as well. We, we really appreciate all the support of the PGA of America and every member club and pro who's been out there who supported both the brands. We certainly appreciate that. And Chris, you've done a fantastic job and we're so glad to be partner with you. I appreciate that very much, Jack. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you a little bit later on this summer to hear more about that fall collection. It sounds good. I look forward to talking to you. I know you're coming down to Myrtle Beach. Let's uh, let's hook up and talk about that. Yeah, look forward to it. Take you care, bet, Jack. All the best to you Thank and your you. family. You bet. Thank you. Appreciate you too. Take care. That is Jack Curry and folks, the two brands again, two under the number two UNDR is the website, two under.com. And again, like Jack mentioned, put in the code next 20. That's NEXT20 to get 20% off when you at your checkout. And then when you go over to Sconey, S-K-O-N-I.com, use code NXT for next, NXT on T20 to get 20% off those shoes. And folks, like I said, I've started to wear those shoes to the office, the Sconey shoes. Fantastic. Very comfortable. Slip on and off. And look, it doesn't slip off your foot when you go. Because last Friday, I went from the office right to the driving range. No, no change in shoes, no change in socks, no nothing. Grab my clubs, went out there, swung, no problem. Very grippy, very comfortable. You don't have to worry about, you know, because there is a, a you know, a, the, the knot that they use or, the, or the, the lace that they use just, you know, pulls tight, but keeps your foot nice and secure. Everything about that works. It's fantastic. Again, you're comfortable all day long and you don't have to think to yourself when you get to the course, oh, I got to take my shoes off. I got to, you know, put the other ones on right out, right onto the golf course, right onto the driving range. Fantastic stuff. And look, the two under stuff, folks, I couldn't be more pleased and satisfied and thrilled at what they're doing with the two under brand. First of all, the prints are, are, are fantastic. When you go online, you're going to look at the prints and, and they're so much fun. And, and, you know, to me, Jack Curry and the two under brand are, are just meant for one another because Jack is so enthusiastic and so positive and upbeat. And that is what the brand is about. The brand is very fun. The prints they come up with are outstanding. Again, the underwear is just as comfortable as it could possibly be. And then you throw in the T-shirts and everything else that the brand is doing. And again, no one's going to outsocks me at the office. Just not happening. And now that now that I've got the two undersocks, you know, with the, with the great prints that match the underwear, I'm set to go. So look, go online, check them out for yourselves, and then let me know. And again, from this past weekend, some folks had, had asked me because I. I do a show now on 680 The Fan, the golf show with Brian Katrick and, and J.R. Ross. And, and, uh, and, and, um, we have the cameras are on there in the studio. So I had my Sconey hat on. So I, I, some folks hit me up on social media and said, Hey, what's this Sconey thing? So I explained to them how great the golf shoes are and what those look like. Um, so you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you get your pair and you put them on and you're walking around all day. And then you get to go right to the golf course. Please let me know your thoughts. But uh, it's fantastic. And Jack's great. And I look forward to catching up with him again soon. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, you've heard me talk about some great products that I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. 
And another one that stood out to me is on-point golf. Game-changing, three-dimensional ball markers that science shows will help us see the line better when we're putting and therefore make more putts and lower our scores. See for yourself why Jim Furyk and I are big fans by going online to onpointgolf.us. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. I want to send out my sincere thanks again to Tom Patrick, Bob Ford, John Hughes, and Jack Curry for joining me tonight. Scheduled to join me next week are former PGA Tour pro Tim Simpson will be back. Always enjoy when Timbo's a part of the show. The first female president of the PGA of America, Susie Whaley, will also be back. Another former PGA Tour pro and now one of the all-time great broadcasters, Frank Nabilo, will be here, as will one of our new partners as well. Construct Green, Bart Romano, will join me as part of the show as well. Folks, you can find this show available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Good Pods. And my thanks to them for making Next on the T one of their recommended shows. Thanks to the great folks at Good Pods for that. And my thanks as well go out to all of you, the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.